one thing to remember is it's not like, you know, the marketer or like all of us are gathered around the table, like thinking of ways to ruin someone's day, you know? <laughs> Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media, and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Now, nearly 73% of adults in the United States have experienced some type of traumatic event at least once in their lives. Despite its advancements, modern marketing still relies on techniques meant to make their customers feel inadequate, resulting in customer alienation, negative brand perception, and increased customer complaints. It doesn't have to be this way, and it shouldn't be this way. My guest on Managing Marketing is Kat Kennan, Certified Trauma-Informed Professional and Founder and CEO of Radical Customer Experience, a groundbreaking consulting firm that encourages brands to establish genuine connections with their customers by embracing strength-based, trauma-informed and exclusive marketing services. Please welcome Kat Kennan. Hi, Kat. Hi. So glad to be here. And look, I'm so glad you can make the time to have, have this conversation because um when I first heard about what you were doing, I have to say, first of all, I was surprised and then intrigued because when I saw that number, 73% of adults in the United States have experienced some type of traumatic event at least once, my initial reaction was to go to what outside the US is known for, which is gun violence and, and motor vehicle accidents and, and opioid uh, drug deaths and things like that, right? But trauma actually is much broader than that, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And also just to note like that 73, 75% statistic is pretty universal, um, you know, including Australia, because I've looked at the numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, trauma is both physical trauma, right? Like someone getting in a crash or, you know, even like a medical issue. But, you know, it can also be adverse experiences in your childhood. Um, and one thing that um, I spend a lot of time thinking about is generational trauma. So the science right now, it's like, it's, it's breaking every day. But the science right now, um, but the science now is actually showing us that we are holding in our DNA and in our bones at least 14 generations of trauma. Wow. Like okay. that sink in, right? And like when you also when you meet someone who you know is actively breaking a cycle, whatever it is, right? Whether it's poverty or violence or right, addiction, they are holding back those 14 generations. And so like, I always give like a special nod. And then for anyone doing that work, you're influencing the next 14 generations. So, you know, it, it's everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And the reason I asked that question was because, you know, then I started reflecting on my own life because I, I would say, you know, I feel relatively privileged, but then I started thinking about, you know, I've had uh, a, a younger brother died tragically uh, at the age of 10. I've been through two divorces. I've had many people, including my own mother, 
die uh, tragically young and unexpectedly. You know, these are all things that do have an impact on you, even if you're not necessarily consciously aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is the thing about trauma is like, I always find myself doing these conversations. I'm like pointing at my solar plexus because, um, you know, it lives underneath everything. And, uh, you know, normally when someone has a trauma reaction, you know, whether that's from looking at marketing or advertising or, you know, something else on the outside, a lot of times they don't even know why they're upset. They don't even know that they're having a trauma reaction. You know, it's honestly, it's like, if you're lucky and you've done a lot of work, you learn to recognize it. Um, But, you know, you might just be really pissed off. You know, you might be like super angry about something and you're like, why am I so angry? Um, And it's, you know, it's coming from underneath. Because it's interesting, the the as you say, science has really made some breakthroughs here. You know, you think about um, uh, post traumatic stress disorder. You know, it it is relatively recent. You know, it's in the last twenty years that yeah. uh, it's really come forward as a, as a medical uh, condition yeah. that previously would go largely undiagnosed. You know, we would say the person had some sort of mental imbalance or, you know, they would be labelled as having a, a, you know, a problem but not necessarily uh, acknowledged or treated in any way for that issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far back as, like, World War One, like, we were using the term shell shock. Um, but you're right. Like, there really wasn't, like, a formal diagnosis and process. There is um, a doctor here in the U.S. named Bessel van der Kolk. Um, and he really did some pretty groundbreaking research. He still is doing groundbreaking research, but um, in the 80s with military vets, and that's sort of where the post-traumatic stress um, or stress disorder, like there's some movement now about uh, dropping the disorder part of it. Um, but yeah, and, and even in the last five years, the research has just exploded. So. Now, it was actually personal experience that brought you to this topic. It wasn't something that you just casually um, uh, thought, oh, this could be an interesting thing to look at, isn't it? Do you yeah. mind sharing sharing that? Yeah, not at all. I mean, I've, so I've, one, I've spent a career as a marketer um, and a marketing leader. So, you know, that's, that's like that side of it, right? Um, and then, you know, a huge part of my story is that I actually have complex PTSD. Um, which, um, you know, is sort of multiple traumas uh, that sort of come together. Um, And for me, I had something like multiple things that were, are now considered adverse childhood experiences. And so that, you know, colors your lens for your whole life. And you, you know, you don't necessarily even realize it. Um, And then sort of pre-COVID 2018 and 19, I experienced two back-to-back traumas. Um, and that sort of re-triggered all of the childhood things. Um, so that's when the diagnosis came. And um, in 2020, my mom died. So it was like a rough couple of years. But um, during that time, I realized I was perceiving marketing messages very differently. 
And then I knew I was onto something. <laughs> and that's, that's a really interesting part, isn't it? You know, when you consider that it's such a high percentage, you know, three out of four people have experienced some sort of trauma. And as you said, they, they, you then potentially react to different triggers in very different ways. And I imagine it would depend on the types of trauma and the way that it's impacted on you, on the way that that would have an impact. I, I couldn't imagine it's universal that everyone that's had trauma will respond the same way because we all have different ways of dealing with those stresses and, and traumatic uh, incidents. Yeah, absolutely. So I just wrote a um, an ebook on empathy in the workplace, um, which talks a lot about this. And you know, one example I t- I talk about is I'm sh- how many times have like you or me or anyone listening, you've been in a meeting and someone just kind of flips out, <laughs> you know, um, and you're like, where did that come from, you know, and especially maybe you were the last person talking and you just like really are thrown for a loop. Um, but the reality is, is that it more likely than not, they were having a trauma reaction. And, you know, in that case, it had nothing to do with you. It had nothing to do with anything that was going on in the room. Um, and it's not even as simple as, Hey, they had a fight with their partner that morning and it's on their mind. It's, it really is like coming like deep underneath and you don't, you don't always realize why. Right. Um, yeah. It takes a great deal of work to be able to recognize. No, it's really interesting um, because there are those situations, aren't they? I mean, some people talk about being triggered, but in many ways it's a triggering that's totally subconscious like the person's not necessarily even aware of what are the things that trigger them. It's just because I can imagine that sometimes it will be, it could be a combination of two or three things all coming together to drive that trigger rather than one particular pressure point. Yeah. I, I, I use the word maelstrom a lot. So yeah, yeah, it is a lot of things coming together. Um, And you know, again, like maybe you're watching a TV show, maybe you're in a discussion with someone, maybe you're riding the subway, you know, and you see an ad that is just like, what is happening, you know? Yeah. Trinity P3. Yeah, what are some of the things that marketing does? You know, sort of the typical, because with your career as a marketer, do you look back on some of the things that you may have done in the past and gone, oh my God, you know, what I was I I wasn't aware, but what was I even thinking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think the one thing to remember is it's not like, you know, the marketer or like all of us are gathered around the table, like thinking of ways to ruin someone's day, you know. <laughs> in fact, quite the opposite. Yeah, I know. It's like we're, we're, you know, we're trying to make sales and like get, get the product and uh, in front of people and, you know, hopefully change lives. Um, but, you know, it can be really little things like words matter, yeah. imagery matters. Um, and so whether it's a campaign or, you know, one very non-sexy part of marketing is data hygiene, right? Um, but 
if you're not cleaning your database, like maybe you are sending an email or even like a direct mail piece that's addressed to an ex-partner or, you know, someone that's passed away, you know, I mean, unfortunately, like my neighbor's husband passed away last year and there's mail that comes all the time. Right. And so, you know, it's really extremely triggering and that is such a simple fix. It's just like managing your data. Yeah. And, and look, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here nodding like crazy because uh, just in the during the pandemic, I had quite a few colleagues pass away um, for, for various reasons, mostly that they stopped getting their regular medical checkups because of you know, isolating and locking down and, and so often succumbed to the illnesses that they were suffering with. But it annoys me because their social media platforms still show them as if they're alive and well and and give me reminders that we've been friends for seven years or 10 years or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really um, quite upsetting because you see people posting things to them that clearly don't know that they've died. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I certainly, I like, you know, on the personal side, I ran into that with my mom, right? Like, um, and, and I sort of took over her accounts so I could handle messages for the few months after, but, you know, there were plenty of people that sent messages and I, you know, had to reply. Um, you know, there are settings, whether it's like on the Facebook side or Google, um, that you can set like your legacy contact. So permissions go, but it's just not something people think about. Um, and, and <laughs> I mean, I do, I have mindset right now, but it's based on the experience of my mom, but, um, you know, you bring up an awesome, like, I don't know, probably shouldn't say awesome, but you bring up a great point with the pandemic because, you know, one, the entire world experienced a collective trauma. Um, and so that brings that number to a hundred percent, right? And um, and and in in terms of losing people, like it's like forty percent of people know someone that died, mm. and you know that's probably just COVID, and wouldn't um, you know wouldn't consider the like people that died for other causes from other causes. So, yeah. Now, Kat, one of the other things uh, about marketing is increasingly marketers find themselves responsible for customer experience. And one of the big uh, triggers for me is custom in customer experience is call centres, <laughs> particularly where there may be communication issues or where you're getting an attitude, uh, you know, you're wanting help or in quote service and you're getting stonewalled, I, I find myself getting really frustrated by that because I go into a customer service experience expecting to get customer service. So <laughs> when I don't get it, it, it really triggers me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the lens I have of, of customer experience um, is that it really should be 360 degrees, right? So it's like your sales and your marketing and it's your customer service and it's it's, you know, your big data and regular data and even like HR and company culture. It's all of these things coming together. But, you know, on a good day of that 360 degrees, like on a really, really good day, you know, with the perfect weather, 
we're maybe at like 280, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with with the tailwind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And running down a hill, but yeah. No, absolutely. It, yeah, it, it's incredibly difficult because there are so many touch points where businesses and marketing interact with their customers. Yeah. So, so that, that's why I'm interested, you know, because you talk about strength-based and trauma-informed marketing. Can you, can you give me a sense of what that actually means? What, what's strength-based? Yeah. So probably it fits under probably the larger umbrella. But I think as marketers, right, in, in talking about doing campaigns in the past, we were all taught fear-based methods, you know? Um, it's, uh, you know, we need to create a sense of urgency. It's limited time. It's limited quantity. It's, you have to get whatever, like, the newest influencer is promoting. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure I could go to my inbox now and find, you know, a, a dozen or maybe 10 times that many emails that are, like, only until midnight, Right. Um, and, you know, we are in, in a, somewhat related to COVID, but we're in the middle of like an ever increasing mental health crisis. And so pushing out messages like that, that are fear-based are really psychologically damaging, but it doesn't have to be hard to do the opposite, right? You lean into your data and you just position the messaging a little bit different. So instead of limited quantity, you turn it around and say, hey, we know these are your favorite products or, you know, the top products. And you see emails like that too, right? But essentially that's strength-based marketing because you're leaning into the data to say, okay, these are selling hot, right? They're really, really popular, but let's position that message that says, you know, hey, we know these are your favorites. These are customer favorites. And mm. it, and suddenly it's in a positive light instead of you better get it before it's gone. And also offering it as in we've put these aside for you. Let us know if you want them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so so it becomes more interactive. I, I love that approach because, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out, has become so much part of our everyday life. You know, again, going back to social media, you know, the way people curate their experiences, it's, it's everyone else feels like they're having a dull life because the one they see on social media is so much more exciting than theirs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then marketing's adding to that by, as you say, using FOMO to say you will miss out and if you miss out that somehow, you know, that's a bad thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. And even like with, you know, I think about my kids a lot, right, because you know, kids are getting on social media earlier and earlier and feeling like a whole different kind of peer pressure, um, you know, with, with marketing and products and, you know, whatever celebrity they're following. And, you know, it starts so young. Trinity P3. Kat, so um, strength-based and trauma-informed marketing really, I guess, fits under your uh, radical customer experience yeah vision. yeah absolutely so like that's what I called my company or call my company radical customer experience but um you know certainly strength-based marketing um is something that I teach my customers or my clients and then you know trauma-informed is sort of like you graduate <laughs> you know it's just like it's one more thing but it still doesn't have to be 
hard. I think the word trauma is really intimidating and, you know, your immediate gut as like a business person or, or a marketer, you're like, what does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with my job? What does it have to do with sales? And, you know, I can give you a couple of examples of like a, you know, a trauma informed campaign as an That'd example. be great. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is like my favorite um, one and I experienced it both as a customer and a marketer. So um, there are a couple brands um, here. Well, I guess two of them are global at least. Um, Etsy's done this. Ancestry's done this. Um, one of my favorite, like I think just US brands called Uncommon Goods has done this. Um, but it's a, they've done a Mother's or Father's Day campaign, which is like, hey, we know this time of year might be tough for you. Click here to opt out of our Mother's Day messaging, right? And so if you've lost a parent, like getting that bombardment, you're just like every commercial, every email, you know, every social post, like you're just, you know, your SMS marketing messages, like everything's coming at you. And, you know, it's hard. Um, and, you know, the first time I saw this was a couple of years ago. And I think it was my first Mother's Day without my mom. And, you know, it was uncommon goods that like, I got that. I have a screenshot of like the text message and I was like, oh my God, they understand. They yeah. get, they see me. Right. And just like this deep, like felt it so deeply. Um, but as a marketer, I'm like, oh my God, it's so smart. They're just segmenting their data. Right. Um, and, you know, it's little things like that. I mean, I think about holidays a lot because you know, in general, they're very triggering, even at end of year holidays, like how many of us like actually have, or, or, you know, really, really amazing associations with the holidays, you know, there's, you know, you're seeing family, there's family issues. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, if I see one more like Christmas ad, I might, you know, I might lose it. Um, so, you know, it really is like, how can you position messaging or push out a campaign um, that, you know, is makes your customers feel seen, like really mm -hmm. seen, um, but it's also getting you sales. You know, I know after I saw, I was a <coughs> uncommon goods customer, but like after I saw that, I'm like, I will never get any kind of like gift for anyone without going there first. Right. Hmm. Um, it's, it's a different kind of customer loyalty. Well, it's, it's building a experience where there's a mutual uh, recognition, you know, like as you I think you used the term, you know, you've been seen, you've been recognized. And that's so important because we live in a world of mass communication. I know they talk about personalization, but so often you feel like personalization is they've just put your name usually your first name at the top of the email as if that somehow you know who I am because you've managed to get my name from somewhere. Yeah. I mean, the best, the best is when you get an email where they've tried, but they don't have your name. So it really is just dear blank comma <laughs> or, you know, dear first name because they forgot to switch, you know? Um, yeah. It's well, B2B marketers drive me crazy when it says deartrinityp3.com because what they've actually done is made my name my URL for the company. So, you know, yeah. it's like, 
how how dehumanized is that being turned into a URL? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just just want to go back to something you said earlier, which you know is really interesting because you said that you know in business we find it really confronting dealing with the whole thing of trauma. And yet one of the things in this conversation I'm feeling is in actual fact, isn't part of the problem that we all, you know, 73, 75%, 100% of people have actually experienced trauma at some point in their lives. But as part of our human condition or our culture, we're inclined to keep a lot of that to ourselves so that when in a business sense, we we need to confront the idea of actually acknowledging trauma, it becomes quite personal and revealing because we're all carrying around the traumas that we've lived with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I use the term radical vulnerability. Um, and, you know, whether that's on behalf of a company or, you know, on behalf of a person, um, you know, it's, we all have it, but there's so much shame involved and, you know, many things that are cause trauma that, you know, we're taught to keep it behind closed doors where, you know, in the workplace, we're taught to have a mask or multiple in a mask. And I don't mean in like, you know, the COVID sense, um, but, you know, you're your work self and you're your home self and they, you know, never shall the two meet. And the reality is we're just one, one person, right? And one person, whether I'm at the office or at home and every piece of my life and my experiences come with me. And, um, you know, so we, we carry that trauma with us, um, you know, whether it's just emotionally or literally in our DNA and bones. So. <laughs> literally in our DNA and bones. Um, but what my experience is that when you actually are radically vulnerable is that it actually builds greater empathy and, in fact, greater connection with others because you find yourself sharing those experiences and in that it breaks down that feeling that I am alone in this, that I somehow am the only person in the world that has been through this, you know, whether it's uh, childhood trauma which often comes with huge amounts of shame because often it comes, it's in the context of that somehow the child has brought that on themselves. Ooh, or yeah. <laughs> or um, that you, you know, because one of the things, you know, my, both my parents have now died. And so for my team, when they have sick parents, and particularly during COVID, you know, a lot of my team have parents overseas. I was able to share huge amounts of empathy and understanding in them going through that and not being able to be there for their parents. Because yeah. my parents were also living interstate when they, you know, miles away when they passed away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel actually pretty blessed that, like, my mom passed away at the beginning of COVID, but it was like I was able to fly there because it was right before quarantine. Um, yeah. and be there but yeah I mean that's that's really difficult um you know but empathy is so so important you know whether it's in the workplace or the marketplace right it's just like having that lens and the connection that you form with people 
you know, again, whether they're like your coworkers or your customers, you know, creates a relationship that you just won't have otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Trinity P3. The other, uh, the other thing that you've developed is that you've, um, you have the brand inclusion index, which is an actionable alternative to net promoter score. Now, I, I'm going to reveal the fact that I'm not a big fan of net promoter, uh, particularly the way it's often used. You know, I've just finished an online transaction and they want to know, would I recommend this to someone else? And I'm going... I'm actually more interested in the goods and services that I'm buying than the way that I actually gave you my money. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. This is like me every day. Um, yeah. So like I put together, it's a brand sensitivity score, but I put that together because, you know, with not promoting your right, like, you know, you get that pop up. Would you recommend us to a friend? Like very often after a customer service experience, um, and you know, really, net, you know, net promoter is telling you on average how your customers feel at one moment in time. Yes. So essentially, it gives you zero information, and you know, from like a polling and you know assessment perspective you actually need at least three questions to even be scientifically valid. So the fact that NAP promoter is based on one question is sort of ridiculous. Um, and, you know, come at me, like, right? Like, um, that doesn't mean NAP promoter can't, can't um, you know, predict things. But um, what I've put together is, so there's three main principles. You've already heard me talk about radical vulnerability. Um, but also radical empathy and radical authentic investment. And, and then there are a number of questions that come from each of those factors. And, um, and it really is like diving in on or dialing in, I should say, on how sensitive a customer thinks a brand is in that area. And it sort of works like here we would say it works like an SAT, like a like an assessment test, where um, you know if you get a cross question wrong, it gets easier, and vice versa. So with this, it's like if they answer a question and they find that the brand is less sensitive, then it'll sort of go in that direction. If it's more sensitive, it will tune into that. But after the assessment comes, and it can go to both an audience or your email database or your social followers, it will tell you sort of on average, like where you are, how you rank against other brands, you know, and as we get more and more data, how you rank against like your industry sector and, you know, really be able to divide it by demographics as well. But, you know, it, it's like here, you're doing really well in radical empathy, but you're really kind of falling down on an authentic investment. And, um, and then it provides like very deep insights and recommendations, right? It keeps it really easy. It's like, it, do this X, Y, and Z, and it is going to help, you know, get that score up. Yeah, so I'm very, very, very excited about it. I'd say I'm in beta. I think we're still in beta for a few more days, um, but about to publicly launch. And you know, I can't wait. Like there's just, there's nothing like it on the market. 
And um, I really think it's a game changer, not just as a founder, but like, you know, <laughs> as a, almost a lifeline marketer. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, as as a, uh, in quotes, uh, the tech, I, I love the fact that um, uh, illicit drug uh, sellers and the in tech industry call people users, you know. <laughs> so, so as a user, but also as a customer, you yeah. have an interest on both sides of that uh, of that transaction. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's really cool too. Like to be able to put out quarterly trend reports, like this is what we're seeing in terms of, um, you know, trauma informed marketing. Like we know that you on average will your sales will increase by x percent you mm. know by implementing these techniques so um it's freaking incredible <laughs> trinity p3 i also think it has huge potential because you know we've be- the world has become much more aware of the importance of diversity and equity and inclusion, but especially diversity and inclusion. And that this actually works across all that because, first of all, we're all human beings, but the traumas and and our responses to it will be hugely impacted by the various cultures that that we live in and with. Um, So I can imagine that this has in some ways a unifying view of being able to understand that diversity and measure inclusion because uh, inclusion is the one part that many people struggle with. You know, they turn diversity almost into uh, counting the different types of people, which is ridiculous because it's like a, a Noah's Ark. I've got two of everything, you know, which is not what diversity is about. But, but the inclusion part this would also give you a measure of how people feel, you know, whether they're feeling included because empathy is and understanding and acknowledgement are such important parts of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like we, you know, we're now like D and I, like we add a B for belonging, which is also like, you know, hitting at the, the inclusion, but all of this that we're talking about, I really view it as like your external facing DEI. And, um, you know, a part of that is not only trauma informed or strength based marketing and your, you know, your customer experience, but also even like your corporate social responsibility and like your commitment to the environment and like all of these things. And, um, you know, even brands that have sort of, you know, put their stake in the ground and said like, you know, we won't support X issue or, you know, years ago, for example, Salesforce said, we won't, um, we won't have any customers that deal with um, ammunition or guns. We just won't do it. And, you know, I've been really public about it. And all of that um, really fits under the same umbrella. And, you know, uh, brands that have really embraced you know, sustainability and issues are much more likely to adopt trauma-informed techniques as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering if is there particular categories you think are, are more likely or that would see more benefit from this approach or is it universal? I mean, it is pretty industry agnostic, although I would say that 
consumer facing brands, um, it just, it makes a little bit more sense. It's an easier leap um, because, um, you know, you're directly affecting people essentially with your marketing versus like going and selling to another company. Um, And, you know, for me sitting in my position, um, I have a, I have a business coach right now and he always says, what game are you playing? And, you know, the game I'm playing is changing lives and helping. And, but I am doing it sort of one step removed by helping marketers and helping companies. And then every single thing that they push out and every single consumer that they touch is then, you know, benefits. Mm. So. It's interesting you'd say, say that about business to business, B to B, because you, know, uh, you alluded to it or mentioned it earlier, where you know when we go into the workplace, it's very common for people to put the mask on, you know, the work mask. And so there's an extra layer to break through to get to the human being because they've got, you know, many, many people, not all people in business, but many people in business do find themselves having to wear the mask to play that game. I think there is a change. You know, we're seeing a change, the work from home, greater flexibility, acknowledgement of the needs of parents to have greater flexibility in the workplace, uh, being more open and accommodating for the various, uh, 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 you know, diverse uh, requirements of of the workplace. All of this is positive change. But uh, I think, you know, you're right that for businesses to be able to impact on to their customers directly is a huge opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I've certainly worked for plenty of B2B brands. And weirdly, even even before I had sort of put together this framework, was implementing it. Because I would always, like, tell the, my salespeople, it's just like, who are you actually selling to? Like, are they a parent? What are their kids' names? Mm-hmm. Where did they just vacation? Because they'll usually throw that stuff out in conversation. And it's, you know, it's not to be creepy, right? We have plenty of creepy marketing, which is maybe a whole other, you know, topic. Um, (laughs) I'm looking at you HubSpot, like sending me an email a minute after I'm on your website. But like, um, you know, I mean, it's still like, you know, to pick up the phone and to call, you know, when you're talking to someone, and say like, hey, how was your vacation? Like, it sounds so amazing, right? Like, you know, you really are dealing with another human being and the yeah. likelihood, it's like people leave companies, of course we do, like we all get new jobs. But, you know, if you've established that kind of rapport with someone when they go to your new company, they're so much more likely to pick up the phone and call you, right? Cat mm. Kennan of a radical customer experience. This has been a fantastic conversation, but unfortunately time has got away from us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I could talk for a lot longer, but <laughs> you, need, you need to keep getting into your tomorrow. And yeah, I, I need to get my kids ready for school tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I do have a question before we go, and that is, you know, if if you were going to point people towards a company that does it really well, who would you recommend? Mm-hmm.